0: a dead promise, and a living anointing. There's a scripture that appears very early in this story that really sets the tone for this lady's impact on her family. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse number 8. And that reads, And it fell on that day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where there was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. Now I want you to notice the writer inserts a word there when describing this woman. He says that she was a great woman. What was it that made this woman great? What was it that made the writer describe her as a great woman? And I believe it was that she discovered the ability to know And to not allow her surroundings to dictate to her where the the real source of her greatness came from. Amen. Even in a life that was no doubt very busy every day, she never allowed the little duties of her life to relegate her to being little. On the day-to-day activities of life, the mundane things of life, she never let that relegate her to being little. Well, let me tell you, every good and every perfect gift comes from God. Amen. It comes from God above. This great woman, she was gifted with a kind heart. And, and her focus was centered on her home. She reached out to a world that needed her beyond her four walls. You know, I've had people reach out to me a lot of times in my life that would, would love me, that would take care of me, that would provide for my needs. Amen. We've all been there, right? This, this lady, she was one of, the, one of these old saints. She liked to take care of people. She, she, she had a heart for people. Amen. As one reads the story laid out in 2 Kings chapter 4, we find this great woman had an incredible sense of self-control. How quiet she was in all of the tests of life that came to her it stands an excellent display of her inner character but there would come a day in her life in which every fiber of her soul would be tested and I think we've all been there amen Uh, maybe some of us now going through that time of life you know sometimes you just go along with life and everything's just fine everything's just right there's no problem brother Corey everything's just just the way we like it amen I mean 401K is going good, job's doing good, the boss is happy. Man, I'll tell you the church is doing good, pastors preaching, anointing's flowing. Sometimes everything's just just going just right. And then all out of a sudden, out of nowhere, seemingly, it'll hit you on it. It'll hit you, it'll set you back. It's a gut punch. It'll punch, it'll it'll double you over sometimes. We get a phone call, we get a knock on the door, we get a visit from a loved one. We get a letter, we get something else. Man, our whole world changes. Said in a doctor's office, Sister T, whole world can change. We find the prophet Elisha was traveling through the land of Shunem one day and having stopped in at this little home, he was given a great meal by this lady. Soon it became a ritual That as he came through this country, he would stop in and have a meal with his family from Shunem. There were just two in this little family, the great woman and her husband. You know, at this time in their life, everything's going right. She's got her and her husband. They've got their little house there. Man, the the man of God's coming. He's coming to, to encourage. He's coming to help. He's coming to bless them. He's coming maybe to preach a, a revival maybe or a camp meeting or something at their church. He's coming through there, and they want to bless the man of God. Amen. They don't have any ulterior motive. They don't, they're not after anything. They're not looking for anything. They just want to be with the man of God. Amen. Because, you know, what? In, the, in these days, the man of God was the one who spoke for God. They, they couldn't go directly to God. It was the man of God had to go to them, and then the man of God could talk to God for them. So they wanted to host this man of God. Amen. This great woman and her husband. After several visits. Elisha returned and found himself very surprised. That this little family had built a small little room. For the wandering prophet. When he came to visit. He would not only find a table to eat. But also a room. For rest. And comfort. You know. Growing up. I had a family member who lived pretty close to me, and I'd go over to her house, man, and she knew exactly what I wanted to eat. She knew exactly what I wanted to drink. She knew exactly everything. She knew what I wanted when I came in. She knew what I wanted while I was there. She knew, knew what I wanted, and she'd send it home with me. Amen. I mean, she just took care of me. She she loved me. She took care of me. My, my mom and dad lived right across the the yard really from us and and my kids have had that same honor you know as little uh, ones growing up they go over to grandma and grandpa's house and pops and grand grand they call them and man them eggs and bacon you know whatever grand grand knows exactly what they like I you know I I tell you what they still spoil me a little bit to this day my dad he can tell you exactly how much milk I like in my coffee and I like a lot (laughs) they take care of me amen and Elisha, that's the way this, this this great woman and her husband treated the man of God. Treated him very well. Had, a, had this room made for him. It didn't nobody else nobody else uh, went, belonged to that room. Nobody else used that room. That room was for he and he alone. He could go in there and he could make that room as his. They were so kind to him. So the man of God determined one day to return that blessing for a blessing. The request came, what can I do for this family? It was then that the answer came almost as a lightning bolt from heaven. This couple was childless, so Elisha pronounced a promise that a child would soon grace their home. Elisha wanted to do something for this family. They've been so good to him. He wanted to do something to repay just a little bit of the kindness that they'd shown him. And this family, I, I, can, I can just picture in my mind, Elisha calls them. He's in his room, calls him to his bedroom door. Look, you guys have been awful kind to me. What, what can I do? Can I, <clears throat> what is it that I can do for you? I said, oh, man of God, we don't want anything from you. We did, we, this is not for anything that we can gain. We just love you, want to serve you want you to be here with us. We enjoy your presence. Well, he said, no, I want to bless you. What is it that you need? And the their, their desire of their heart was a child. So Elisha says, you will have a child. He promised a child would come into that home and grace their home. And so it was sometime later, a small baby did enter that home. The promise was born. Amen. And as the years flew by rapidly, I'm sure that Elisha traveled through Shunem, that over the course of the years, he'd come to enjoy the friendship of this young man that was born. As one reads in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse number 18, this young man went out one day to work with the reapers. Now, Elisha, he's, after the baby's born, I can show, maybe the first time he shows up after that little promise is born, you know, he may, he may come to visit their house, knock on the door. Here's a little, little feet, pitter-pattern across that wooden floor. And what a blessing that is, Brother Udy. Hear that little child running across that floor. Well, as the years went on, that, that prophet, the man of God, he came and went from that city. He'd stop by at that house every day. He watched that boy grow up. He watched that boy grow up. Those parents wanted... That boy to be with the man of God. They wanted him to learn from the man of God. They wanted him to know who that man of God was. They wanted him to know that man of God is the one who prophesied the blessing to us. That is you. And because of him, you are our blessing. Amen. I'm going to tell you, I want my kids to know the blessings of the Lord. Amen. I want my kids to know. I'll tell you, a pastor... I just, one of the greatest, we just lost not long ago. I can tell you what, for a long time, I just wanted to be around him. He may have got tired of me, I don't know, probably did. But I just wanted to be with him. I wanted to sit in his presence. I wanted to hear what he had to say, amen. I want my kids, as as they grow up, I want my kids to be around Pastor Jacob, one of the greatest pastors. I tell you what, I love my my pastor, man. We we're blessed with a pastor in this church, amen. Loves God, loves us, loves people. Amen. I want my kids. I want my kids to know. I want them hanging on his coattail. Amen. Because you know what? He's gonna be there for them. He's gonna pray for them. He's gonna guide them. He's gonna lead them. He's gonna direct them into the ways of God. Amen. So they wanted, they wanted, they wanted their son. In the presence of the man of God. They wanted him to be with the man of God. Knowing him intimately. Well as that boy grew. grew, And as the the man of God would come. Year after year. He watched the boy grow. There was friendship that developed. There was. You know they just developed a great love. One for another. If he played ball. I'm sure the prophet went and watched him play ball. He'd encourage him to. You know whatever. that, That little boy's interest in life was. I'm sure that prophet wanted to be right in the middle of that. Amen as the little boy grew, he began to grow into a young man. And I can remember as, as, a, as a young kid, my dad, we had a shop in our, in, in our backyard, essentially. My dad, self-employed at that time for, for some time, and uh, he worked in that shop. As a machinist, and I can remember as a little kid, I don't know if it was in the summertime or maybe I wasn't old enough to go to school or what. But my dad always wore a baseball cap, and he always wore work clothes when he went to work. And mom would pack him a lunch. I mean, even though he was just going through the through the back door there, mom pack him a lunch. You put sandwich, chips, whatever else in that in that lunch kit, send him to work. Well, me as a young kid, that's my hero sitting there. I want to be just like him. I want to take every step that he takes. So I'll tell you what, I'd wear my my work clothes. I'd put on my hat. Mom packed my lunch, and I'd go out the door right behind him. Amen. How many of you followed your dad that way? Amen. So he went out the door. I went out the door right behind him. He went and worked in that machine shop. While he was working, I was going to work too. I wasn't old enough to work in the machine shop. What I do, I'd go out in the hole, get a shovel uh, out in the yard, get a shovel, dig, start digging holes. Man, I'm working, I'm sweating, I'm out there. I just want to be doing something because he is. Amen. He was my hero. I wanted to be just like him, and I wanted to take every step that he took. And this 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 young boy, this promised son, went out to work. One day, with his dad in the field. And as he grew, he would go work with his dad. Let me tell you something. There are times when everything goes on smoothly. One day's like another. Times when change comes. And whole years of joy and sorrow may be concentrated into a single day. You've had those days? Turning points, right? Good or bad? One day. So it was in the house of Shudom. When Elisha came, in verse 8, it was a joyous time. When the child was born, in verse 17, it was a joyous time. But the most memorable of all of those days was a day... When the only son was lost and found, was dead and was received back to life again. It took no more than a moment for the brightest day to become suddenly clouded with disaster. The day was cl- quickly darkened by sorrow and the shadow of death. There came in the cry, there came a cry in the middle of innocent work in the field. Life was progressing well. Everything was just as they wanted. They had their, their husband, the wife, they had their family. Job's doing well. Everybody's doing well. The boy's doing well. They have their promise. He's going to work with Dad. Man, everything's just right. Mom made breakfast this morning. And man, everything was just right. He and Dad went to, went to work in the field. And all was right in their world in that moment. But then there came a cry. Seemingly in a safe environment, trouble struck. Working in the simplicity and purity of the form, in the countryside, a major problem occurred. The young man that left home that morning, running full on life, was brought in from the fields, nearly cold and lifeless. Only one complaint had issued from the young man. My head. My head. The Bible tells us that her only child died. Second Kings chapter 4 verse 21 states, Even after the child died, her response was almost unfathomable in the moment of grief. But even in the midst of her trouble, this woman was great. This woman, great in her lot in life, and also great in her ability to handle trouble. Can you imagine? She sent him off to work that day, Brother Steve. She sent her husband and her son off to work that day just like she had all those times before. They get out there in that field. All of a sudden, the young man gets a headache. My head, my head, he says. His dad dad tells, tells the servant, says, take him up there to his mama. Servant gets him up there to his mama. Mama's up there. She gets that knock on the door. She gets that knock on the door. There's that servant standing there with her her boy in his arms. He takes the boy, puts her in his lap. I'm sure she prays, cries, whatever it is that she does. loves him, tries to nourish him. He dies in her arms. And so many times, guys, so many times, that is where our promise we give up on. And that moment is where a lot of people lose out on their promise with God. It's seemingly dead, right? The the child has died. What did the Sheenamite woman do? She didn't give up. She took that boy back exactly to where that promise had came from. She took that boy back. To that prophet's room. And she laid that boy on that prophet's bed. Amen. Exactly where the the promise came from. She took him back. And she laid that that boy on that prophet's bed. And she shut the door. she, She went and got a servant. said get me a donkey. And get on up here. I ask you, find the feet of a man who has walked across a hot Sierra desert. And when you find him, you'll find blisters on his feet. Find the man who carried a burden of grief. When you find him, you'll find his shoulders bent over from that burden that he carries. Find the man who sailed the seas in great ships. When you find him, he will tell of the storms that he has weathered in life. There is no garden of comfort here in this world. Every garden of comfort soon finds that trouble will hitch up a muscular team of oxen and tear up, tear over the land with the burning plow of disaster. If we think we can hoard our lives away from hurt and difficulty, we're living in a pipe dream, folks. Trouble forces its way into every man's life, regardless of where he sits, suddenly Her promise was dead. The promise had been alive last week. It was well yesterday. He was healthy at breakfast. He was healthy when he left, following his dad out the door to go work in the fields. But now the promise was dead. The very light of this woman's life was now dead. Now what she had gained from the Lord was gone. In the very budding of this young man's life, all was suddenly dead the severest problems may come with their entry into our lives sudden visitation of a trial can change every plan and course of action that we may have the place where reason and logic are completely destroyed now what had been prophetically promised was dead what do you do when your promise is dead This great woman in her distress knew of only one thing to do, pray and send for the prophet. Nothing is too hard for the Lord, is that right? So for the first time, the room of the prophet became a chamber of death. Her sorrow was great and her grief was palpable. Sometimes God will put us into dark rooms of life so that we may be able to see the beauty of heavenly things that are otherwise often hidden from our lives. You know, sometimes trials, though they're difficult to go through, sometimes they reveal some of the most beautiful places in life. When we, when we go through those trials, we come out on the other side with a blessing from God that we never would have had. Had we not been through that trial. Amen. This lady rode a donkey to Mount Carmel to find the prophet. Now her promise, her dead promise becomes the prophet's dead promise. Can you imagine this lady? She got her donkey. It's how they traveled in those days. She got her donkey. She's left that, she, she left that boy dead in that, in that prophet's room. She shut the door. In those days, they would bury, as soon as somebody died, they'd bury them and have the funeral later. She didn't do that. She took that promise back to where it came from. She saw it. She saw it was lifeless. She saw it was dead. There was no breath in that promise. There was no life in that promise. There was no heartbeat in that promise. She saw it. It was dead. She took that baby Put it on the prophet's bed and called for a donkey. Now, Can you imagine this lady crawling on this donkey? Can you imagine the tears and the sweat and the heartache and the pain as she mounts that donkey? Going up to Mount Carmel to find the man of God. Can you imagine the pain in her life? She's going up there, she, but, but I'm going to tell you, she had faith to believe. If she can get to the man of God, everything's going to be all right. Amen. If we can get to Christ, everything will be all right. As she comes riding this donkey, she's whipping that donkey, trying to make it go as fast as it'll go, get up there to the prophet. As she's riding up to the prophet's house, the prophet's sitting out on his front porch. He looks, he sees that Shunammite woman coming up the road on that donkey. As she comes, he asks, Is everything all right with your husband? All is well. Is everything all right with you? All is well. Is everything all right with the child? All is well. She knew that boy was was. Was dead. She comes to the prophet. Prophet sees her grief. You know what he was really asking her. When he asked about the child. Is your faith. Dead or alive. And she said it all is well. I may not have. A living child. But I have a living faith. That has an Anointed promise that my child can live again. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'll ask you, what do you do when something you prophesied into dies? Now the child was dead, something that was something Elisha had received from God, the anguish and loss of a dead promise is often the most difficult cross for us to bear a dead dream, a dead vision a dead hope have you ever felt something so near to you that seemingly died have you ever experienced that so Elisha decides to send Gehazi on ahead with his staff to lay on the dead promise When the staff was laid on the dead promise, Elisha expected healing to occur, but it was not to be. There's something about a substitute or subordinate in our lives that will never work. If you do not believe that, look no further than Nadab in the book of Leviticus. They decided to offer strange fire on the altar, that which was not authentic, and it cost them their lives. There are yet others who are still willing to try with substitutes and subordinates. Satan began the trial in the Garden of Eden by attempting to modify God's commandments. Cain followed up the idea and substituted the fruit of his own labor for the designated lamb as a sinner's offering. Saul was anointed king over Israel, but forfeited that honor when he offered a forbidden sacrifice. Each of these proved to be a curse as well as a failure. Elisha's command to Gehazi to lay the staff on the child caused the miracle to miscarry. My Jesus. Part of the problem with the man who held the staff, Gehazi was a far less man than the prophet Elisha. The bad man always spoils whatever he touches. In the hands of Gehazi, Elisha's staff became nothing more than a common stick. Nothing happened. But Elisha... Went up and laid on the child. Uh, here comes the man of God. Now he's in the house. I never forget this story. Uh, Brother Robert used to tell it a lot, heard it a lot through my, <clears throat> my life. He, Brother Robert was out preaching somewhere. Brother Clendenna was a pastor here. And I, he'd had some kind of medical problem and was in a hospital. I'm going to think maybe in Houston somewhere. Call for Brother Clendenna. And I've I've heard him say, man, he's laying in that bed, hurting so bad he wish he was dead. Brother Clendenin came in there, he said he could hear those leather soles walking across that floor, coming through his room. He said when he heard his voice, he said, son, I came to raise you up. Amen. Elisha came to raise up the young man. And Elisha went up and laid upon the child, put his mouth upon his mouth, and his eyes upon his eyes, and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child, and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Have you ever been in a place where you have a dead promise? Something that you're praying for, something that that was a promise to you? You know, it could be a million things, it can be family related, it could be finance related, it could be any number of things. But you, ha- you have this promise from God, yet it's seemingly dead. And there, there are times, man, when you pray and you pray and you pray, and you look to God, you look to God, you pray, you pray, you pray. And sometimes looks like that thing maybe get a little warm. Maybe things are going to change. Maybe that thing is going to work out. and Maybe my kids are going to serve God. And maybe my finances will be right. But then it doesn't work out. The child waxed warm, but he didn't come back to life. Next, the prophet stretched himself out on the boy. He covered what was dead and reached out until nothing was left. Guys, if we are to impact our world, we will have to cover what is dead and reach out with every fiber within us. It was uncomfortable. It was unorthodox. It was awkward. But it was what God wanted to begin the stages of an incredible miracle. In those days, it was unclean to touch a dead body. Did you know that? And Here the man of God, the prophet of God, stretches out on this dead young man. When the prophet covered the dead body of the child, there was something that began to happen. The Bible declares that warmth began to spread into the child that was dead. The living church has not yet stretched herself, Elisha-like, on the dead body who she's praying for. She's going to have to grope into the alleys and avenues of the cities. She's going to have to wade into broken families. She's going to have to go down into the garages of the mechanics She's going to have to go down into the construction of the carpenters. She's going to have to stretch toward the merchants in the shops. She is needed to extend into the fields of the farmers. She is to go wherever people are lost. Amen. There is something powerful that happens when a covering is involved. Numerous examples in the Bible give us this understanding. In Job chapter 40, the covering became a place of refreshing. In Psalms 91, the covering became a place of protection. In Psalms 109, the covering became a place of confusion for the enemies of God. In 1 Peter chapter 4, the covering of love cleanses a multitude of sin. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, a covering of hair brings the power of angels. One can also understand a covering of grace, a covering of mercy, a covering of God's goodness, a covering of healing... A covering of deliverance, a covering of power, and a covering of blood. The covering began to bring warmth back into this dead promise. Yet that was still not enough. How many? How many know? Some. Sometimes it takes a long time. I don't. I don't understand everything. I don't. I don't claim to, to know everything. I don't, I don't understand why a lot of things happen. I don't understand why sometimes it seemingly uh, the answer is delayed. But there's something to learn in the nothings of God. Amen. Still, after this covering, there was nothing. You have to live through God's nothings to get something. Because let me tell you something. On the other side of the trouble... On the other side of the death, on the other side of the pain, on the other side of the heartache, on the other side of you fill in the blank, is still the promise. Amen. There's still the promise. Still a living promise. The woman with the issue of blood prayed for 11 years, 364 days of nothing before finally on that 12 year mark she touched the hem of his garment. Can you imagine? 11 years, 364 days she prayed. Nothing. But the next day the miracle came. The promise came. Amen. She touched the hem of his garment. What what would happen if she wouldn't have gone again? What if she would have quit? What if On the 11th year, 364 days, she said, I'm done. She wouldn't have received a promise, right? Let me encourage you. Keep on. Press on. Because you never know the next moment may be the moment the miracle happens. Amen. Brother Danny, if you'd make your way up this way, please, whoever's going to help. The servant of the prophet went six trips of nothing before the last trip when he found a cloud the size of a man's hand. The man Naaman had six dips of nothing before that seventh dip that cleansed him. What if they'd have quit on the sixth dip? He'd have never got cleansed. Amen. There are times it seems like the miracle is stalling out and it'll never come to pass. But the glory of God can cover this earth and so much can happen when we will go again and be persistent enough about what we desire for God to do. When we pray, we we seek God for our promise even when it seems like it's dead. There's several times there that that first initial blow sometimes will knock people out. The sec- if that doesn't get you, if you got enough faith to believe that, then, then you, you hold on to the promise. You go get the man of God. You bring him back. The man of God prays. Child gets warm. The promise gets warm. Looks like everything's going to work out, but still nothing. That's the second place we lose out right there. A lot of people would have said, okay, well, we did what God said. We tried it. We called the man of God. We prayed. Nothing happened. Let's have a funeral. But I'm going to tell you, we may have a funeral, but God has a resurrection. Amen. God calls dead things back to life again. The promises of God are yes and amen. Before the dead promise is going to be restored to life, there has to be a stubborn persistence that says like that old song, "I would not be denied, till Jesus came and made me whole. I would not be denied." Sometimes there, there takes guys. There, there, there takes a grit in our gut. There, there takes there, there takes effort on our part. I'm gonna tell you, there there is an anointing that comes, Sister T. Uh, you've been such a such a hero to me, Sister. I'm gonna tell you, I, I've seen you. Believe for the promise of God, and you will have that miracle. And I've seen you believe, and I've seen you hold on, and there's anointing that's going to bring that miracle. And, and, and there is, there's an inner working. There's almost an irresistible anointing inside. And I watch you, and you have it, and it's inside of you. And it pushes you, and it urges you, and it keeps you going. Even on the day, sister, that you want to quit, it keeps going. And it keeps going, and it keeps going, and you can't shake it. And you can't quit even if you wanted to because it drives you. That's the anointing that will call dead things back to life again. Amen. Amen. He returned, walked to and fro in the house, went up, stretched himself upon him, and the child sneezed seven times. And opened his eyes. Can you imagine being that mama downstairs? She knows the boy's dead. She's done everything that she knows to do. Prophet went and prayed. Child's still dead. She getting ready to have a funeral. She she, she may she may, guys, she may have even already called the funeral home. We're gonna make gonna make plans. I've seen it happen prophet goes back one more time. Can I encourage you? Go back, Brother Eddie, one more time. Don't give up. Don't give up. Go back one more time. Take one more trip. Every trip to this altar. Give up? Don't give up, folks. I'm going to tell you, whatever your promise, you may come in here with a dead promise tonight. There's a living anointing that's going to make that dead promise live again. Amen. That's true for every human. I'm going to tell you, there's somebody in this house. You need to hear that tonight. I don't know who it is. God did not reveal that to me. But there's at least one person or one somebody. You came in here with a dead promise. Now, I don't know what that promise is, but you came in here with a dead promise. But you're going to leave with a living anointing. Amen. You're going to leave with a living anointing. That promise is going to come to pass. Amen. Amen. Stand with me around this room. Can you imagine the joys of that mama? She heard that boy sneeze. I can tell you, she knew exactly what that boy sounded like. How many of you have kids? You know exactly what they sound like, don't you? There may be ten kids in there, but you know what yours sounds like. She knew what that boy sounded like. Can you imagine the joy in her heart when she knew her child was living again? Can you imagine the joy in your heart when the promise comes and it's on the way? It's on the way. The boy sneezed seven times and all these other dips seven times, walk seven times. Seven is the, is the number of completion in God's economy. Is that right? I ask you, go back don't quit, you've been six times you've been one, two, three, four five, six go back a seventh time the miracle is done its way, amen whatever you've been praying for whatever God's promised to you, your family you may have prayed for them for years woman with the issue of blood, 11 years 364 days But the next day, she got her miracle. I don't care how long you've prayed. I'm following Sister T as she follows Christ. She don't know it, but I watch her. I'm going to run around this room right behind her when that boy gets his miracle. Wherever Benjamin is, he's here somewhere I saw him. That's my buddy. That's a promise of God, isn't he, sis? There's a living anointing. There's a certain warmth that's beginning to ease back into the soul. With that warmth there's going to be a recall of life again. I want to ask you, can you feel warmth coming into your promise at this moment? You feel the warmth and the love and the mercy of God speaking into your life right now. It was the most minute of responses, but it was something that had to be experienced before. That had not, I'm sorry, had not been experienced before. It was a sneeze. It didn't look like a miracle, it didn't even sound like a miracle, it didn't smell like a miracle, but it was a miracle nonetheless. Men do, do not define miracles, God does. It was a sneeze. wasn't a wall falling down, wasn't a river parting, it wasn't manna falling from heaven, it wasn't wine coming from water, it was not a stone being hurled from a sling, Toward the forehead of a giant. It was not a gate being carried away. It was not the sun standing still. It was not the sundial being reversed. It was a simple sneeze. In fact, it was seven simple sneezes. It was very simple. Nothing's more simple than a sneeze. A sneeze is so involuntarily. As a rule, we sneeze because we will it, not because we must. Doesn't take any education. Doesn't take any talent. There's no instruction needed. It wasn't very musical, but it was enough. It was not much for the sound. It was not much, but the sound was enough. Elisha knew that life had been restored. The dead promise was once again living and breathing. It was once again going to have purpose breathed back into it again. That boy sat up and lived. Went back and he grew. And I want, you, I want you to watch this. If you fast forward 11 years, you'll find an incident in 2 Kings chapter 9 where Elisha needs someone to anoint a new king. Tradition states... And the pulpit commentary states that this young man who was chosen by the prophet to anoint the new king, guess who he was? was The same young man who had been restored to life in 2 Kings chapter 4. That dead promise now brought a living anointing to a new king. Guess what that new king did? That new king destroyed one of Israel's most difficult problems, Jezebel. That dead promise brought a new and a living anointing that solved Israel's problems. This scenario opens a huge window of insight into the sovereignty of God and His purposes for the earth. It does not matter that 20 years may have passed since the prophecy of Jezebel's demise Had been foretold. When God gets ready, He can awaken a dead promise and bring living anointing to every portion of our lives. This knowledge should cause a work of faith to leap within our own souls. It is very apparent to me that what God starts, He is well able to finish and complete. Can we bow our heads tonight? You came in here with a dead promise. You've heard the lies of hell screamed in your ear. It's never going to happen. That prayer is never going to be answered. That problem is always going to be. You're never going to make it in ministry. You're never going to be who and what God called you to be. You're never going to get your miracle. But under the sound of my voice tonight, I know there's someone or someones. That's the case, that you're going to leave here tonight with a living anointing that's going to bring that dead promise back to life. Whatever that promise is, there's a living anointing going to bring it back to life again. Amen. Can we find us a place to pray in these altars tonight?